Welcome to the Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth, useful in our everyday lives. Thus the title, Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means it is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. In today's podcast, we'll be looking at the words of Jesus spoken to his distressed disciples. The disciples were bewildered, confused, and discouraged, and Jesus asked them to trust in him. It is during times when we experience trouble in our lives that we need to choose to trust in Jesus. This is what Jesus asked his disciples to do in John chapter 14. So let's read the first six verses of John chapter 14, reading from the New Living Translation. Don't be troubled. You trust in God, now trust in me. There are many rooms in my Father's home and I am going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know where I am going and how to get there. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We haven't any idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is important to understand the context of these words found in John chapter 14. What was going on before Jesus spoke these words to his disciples? The disciples were completely bewildered and discouraged. But why were they discouraged? Because just before this, Jesus had told his disciples that he was going to leave them. John chapter 13, verse 33. How brief are these moments before I must go away and leave you. Then though you search for me, you cannot come to me, just as I told the Jewish leaders. In addition to Jesus telling the disciples that he was leaving, he also told them that he would be arrested, tried, and crucified. John chapter 12, verses 32 and 33. In addition to this also, one of the twelve was going to betray him. John chapter 13, verse 21. Jesus told them in addition to all these things that Satan was working against them. Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. And then Jesus goes on to tell them that Peter would deny him three times. John 13, verse 38. And in fact, all the disciples would disown him. Matthew 26 and verse 31. So all of this bad news, Jesus told his disciples. And all of this piled up on them. Everything seemed to be on the verge of collapse. Everything around them seemed to be falling apart. Yet Jesus tells his disciples, Don't be troubled. John 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. That's the New King James Version. Why would he say this in the light of all that they were about to face? Jesus knew exactly what they would be facing, and he warned them ahead of time. What Jesus was saying to his disciples was that they needed to take their focus off of their troubles and trust in God. 
Jesus was asking his disciples to trust in him. Jesus was saying, trust in me. Don't be troubled. You trust God. Now trust in me. To trust is to make a choice. These words are written by John in the imperative. That means that these words are a command. Trust in me is what Jesus is commanding his disciples to do. Jesus was saying, I know what you are about to face. Trust in me. I will help you through this. Faith and trust in God will help settle a troubled heart. Jesus wants to strengthen the faith of the disciples in the face of trials soon to begin. When you are troubled, the one thing you should do is trust in him. Trust Jesus. He will help you. The disciples were not only to trust in Jesus, but they were to trust in the words of Jesus. What were the words of Jesus? Well, let's look at some of the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples in these six verses. In verse 2, he says, I am going to prepare a place for you. They were to believe that Jesus was going to do that. In verse 3, Jesus says, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me. The disciples were to believe in the words of Jesus. In verse 4, Jesus says, You know where I am going and how to get there. They were to trust in those words. And then in verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. They were to trust in these words. Jesus comforted his troubled disciples with three truths. So let's look at these truths. Truth number one, there is a heaven. Verse two, there are many rooms in my father's home, and I am going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. That's John 14, verse two in the New Living Translation. Let's read it in the New King James Version. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. The Father's house, or the Father's home, is a reference to heaven. The New King James Version says, In my Father's house are many mansions. The New Living Translation says, There are many rooms in my Father's home. The best translation that I've found is in the New American Bible. It says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. The word translated mansion or home is best translated dwelling place. The temple at Jerusalem with its vast courts and numerous chambers may have come to the mind of the disciples when Jesus was saying this. The point that Jesus was attempting to make to his disciples is that there is a place prepared for you. A permanent, secure place in heaven, prepared, set aside for you. Jesus was not leaving them behind. He was going to heaven ahead of them. The disciples should be comforted with the fact that Jesus was going to prepare a place in heaven for them. Jesus promised the disciples, I am going to prepare a place for you. There are two possible implications to this promise. Implication one, Jesus was referring to his death at Calvary. This was the way that Jesus was going to prepare a place for them in heaven. 
his atoning death on the cross assured his disciples of a place in heaven. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was about to die for the sins of the world, thereby securing a place in heaven for those who respond to his gracious offer of forgiveness for sin. The second implication, Jesus was literally going back to heaven to prepare a place for the redeemed. We do not know the details about this dwelling place in heaven, but we know that provision is being made for every child of God. He is preparing a place for the redeemed. Lest you doubt or question this, Jesus goes on to say, If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. Jesus was not trying to give them false hope. He was telling them the truth. The ESV renders this verse in the question form. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? What Jesus was saying here is, would I have told you this if it were not true? Jesus is saying, I am really going to prepare a place for you in heaven. This is a real thing that Jesus was doing for the redeemed. According to what Jesus says here, heaven is a real place. It is not a product of religious imagination. It is not pie in the sky by and by. It is not a foggy, mystical, mysterious, mythical place. It is a real place that the redeemed will experience when they die in Christ. Heaven is the place where God dwells and where Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father. Heaven is described in the Bible as a kingdom. 2 Peter 1 and verse 11. And God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Heaven is also described as an inheritance for the children of God, those who are born again. 1 Peter 1 and verse 4. For God has reserved a priceless inheritance for his children. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Heaven is also described as a country and a city. Hebrews 11 and verse 16. But they, that is the men of faith, were looking for a better place, a heavenly home. The King James Version says country. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a heavenly city for them. And heaven is also described as a home or a house. There are many rooms in my Father's home. The New King James Version says, Father's house. And I am going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. That's John 14 and verse 2. Heaven is ultimately the home for the believer according to the words of Jesus. There is at least 124 references to heaven in the Gospels. The Bible clearly tells us that there is a heaven. It is a real place. Jesus comforted his troubled disciples by telling them that he was going to heaven to prepare a place for them. Truth 2, I am coming back to get you. Verse 3. When everyone is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. 
Jesus told his disciples that he would come back. Not only that, but Jesus told his disciples that he would come back to get them. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament are filled with promises of Christ's second coming. There is 1,845 references to it in the Old Testament. A total of 17 Old Testament books give it prominence. Out of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second coming of Christ. That is one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament speak of the second coming of Christ. Our text is one of those New Testament scriptures that support the idea that Jesus will return to this world to claim the redeemed people of God. At the second coming of Christ, those who have died in faith will be resurrected from the grave and be received by Jesus when he returns. To us, death appears to be final. Death is the end of life on earth. But according to the teachings of Scripture, death is the entrance into eternity. The word cemetery comes from the Greek word which means sleeping place, because to the Christian, the death of the redeemed was temporary. To the Christian, death is not final. The death of a believer in Christ is temporary because they are awaiting the day of resurrection when Jesus returns. Jesus said to his disciples, I will come and get you. This promise includes all of his disciples in all ages. That includes us, his disciples that live today. Jesus will not fail to keep his promise and return for everyone who has believed in him, the living and the dead in Christ. This is a personal, literal return of Jesus to this world. This is the promise that should bring hope to troubled hearts. There will be a resurrection day when all of the redeemed will be reunited. There will come a time in the future when the Lord Jesus Christ will come back. Those who have died in faith will be raised and the living who know Christ will be changed. Jesus will take this redeemed host home to heaven. And now... Brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the Christians who have died so that you will not be filled with sorrow like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus comes, God will bring back with Jesus all the Christians who have died. I can tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not rise to meet him ahead of those who are in their graves. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and with the call of the archangel and with the trump call of God. First, all of the Christians who have died will rise from the graves. And together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with him forever. So comfort and encourage each other with these words. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18. As surely as Jesus went away, he will come again. There will be a day when the dead in Christ will be resurrected. For those in Christ, 
death is not final because there will be a resurrection. A.B. Simpson describes a dream he once had. He says, In my dream, I was gazing into heaven at night, looking at one of the brightest constellations, when suddenly there appeared among them a wonderful star as bright as Venus at its brightest. As I gazed upon it, wondering at its strange beauty in that quarter of the heavens, I became conscious that it was rapidly growing larger every moment and swiftly approaching. So fast did it enlarge that it seemed to be literally rushing earthward. My whole being was stirred with the thought that some stupendous event was happening. Then there passed over my spirit in my dream a distinct consciousness that the Lord was coming, that this was the morning star and that he was just behind it. The best part of the dream was that it brought only rest and joy. Startling as was the certainty of the coming king, there was no fear, but a sweet consciousness that all was right. I was glad he was coming, that in a few moments he would be here. I also had the consciousness that it was all right with those I loved as well as for myself. Just at that moment I awakened with a quiet sense that God had spoken to my heart with a personal message. That was A.B. Simpson, founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance Church. Jesus comforted his troubled disciples by telling them he was going to heaven to prepare a place for them. Jesus comforted his troubled disciples by telling them that he was going to come back and get them. Truth number three, I am the way to the Father in heaven. Verses 4 to 6. And you know where I am going and how to get there. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We haven't any idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, verses 4 to 6 in the New Living Translation. Jesus said to his disciples, and you know where I am going and how to get there. Jesus insisted that the disciples knew the way to heaven. Jesus was going to depart for heaven, and the disciples knew the way to heaven. Jesus had spent three years teaching his disciples the way of salvation. The disciples had all the necessary information needed to find their way to heaven. So why were his disciples so confused and puzzled with this statement? Jesus was talking about heaven. You know I am going to heaven and you know how to get there. Jesus came from heaven and he was returning to heaven. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's John 6 and verse 38, the words of Jesus. The disciples had all the right information. After all, Jesus had taught them for three years, but they were not putting it all together. It's like having all the puzzle pieces, but not putting them together. You can't see the picture because you haven't put all the pieces together yet. This is the place the disciples were in. They had all the right information. They just hadn't put it all together. Overwhelmed with grief 
at the prospect of Jesus leaving them, Thomas responds to the words of Jesus. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We haven't any idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Those are the words of Thomas. Thomas does not understand what Jesus is talking about. Thomas objects to what Jesus is saying. Since we don't know where Christ is going, how can we possibly know the way to get there? We can hear the frustration in Thomas's voice. No doubt, Thomas was expressing the doubt of the other 11 disciples as well. You also may be filled with confusion or perplexity at this time in your life, questioning what is happening. What are you doing, God? Jesus responds to Thomas' statement. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's John 14 and verse 6. This statement makes it clear that Jesus is himself the way to heaven. He is not a way. He is the way. Jesus is that vital link between heaven and earth. Salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ. To accept Jesus as your own is to have the eternal salvation of God. To have the Son is to have life. If you have the Son of God in you, you have eternal life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's 1 John 5 and verse 12. The Lord Jesus is not just one of many ways. He is the only way. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. That's Acts 4 and verse 12. This truth is very offensive to many people because of the exclusive claim that Jesus makes here. Jesus is the only way to God, the only way to heaven, the one and only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way to the Father and the way to heaven. Jesus is the truth. He is the embodiment of truth. He is the supreme truth above and beyond all truth that we can know here and now on earth or in heaven. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. He is the source of all life, both physical and spiritual, both temporal and eternal. To know Jesus is to know the way. To know Jesus is to know the truth. To know Jesus is to know the life. Those who receive him have eternal life because he is the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. We can only have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. The way to God is not by following the Ten Commandments or the Golden Rule or by church membership or by living in such a way that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. You may have heard, it does not matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. God won't reject you if you are sincere. You can be sincere, but you can also be sincerely wrong. 
you may have heard all religions have some good in them and they all ultimately lead to heaven. Both of these statements are false. There was a nurse on night duty at a hospital who by mistake gave a lethal dose of wrong medicine to a little boy. Her error was not detected until it was too late to save his life. Was she not sincere in what she did? Certainly. Was she not conscientiously performing her duties? Certainly. But she was sincerely wrong. She was conscientiously wrong. Many people sincerely say, all religion ultimately leads to heaven. Or let your conscience be your guide. If your conscience tells you a thing is all right, it must be okay. But all religions do not lead to heaven. There is only one way to heaven according to the words of Jesus. And Jesus said it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14 and verse 6. Jesus comforted his troubled disciples by telling them that he was going to heaven to prepare a place for them. Jesus comforted his troubled disciples by telling them that he was going to come back and get them. Then Jesus troubled his disciples by telling them that they knew the way to heaven because Jesus had told them through his teachings. Clear and simple, we learn from this passage of scripture that Jesus is the way. If you are unsure about your eternal destiny, know this, that Jesus is the way. When you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know the way to heaven. To know Jesus is to know the way. To know Jesus is to know the truth. To know Jesus is to know life. Those who receive him as Savior have eternal life because he is the life. How can we know the way? The answer Jesus gives Thomas to this question is this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Join us in two weeks for our next episode of Relevant Truth. Never miss an episode of the podcast by subscribing on iTunes. If you like this podcast, why not rate and review the podcast on iTunes? There is a website you could visit, relevanttruthpodcast.com, where you can find an archive of all of these messages and also book recommendations. You can contact me at rockrevmason 79 at gmail.com or at the Facebook page Relevant Truth Podcast. The music used in this podcast was produced by my son, Brent Mason. Thanks for listening.